Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. Glad you're here. If you're online this morning, good morning to you. It's good to be back, and I think that the Holy Spirit has something to speak into us this morning. And, and I'm thankful for Pastor James last week. He spoke, and, and I know you enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it. I was able to be here and just sit in a seat just like you, and I enjoy that sometimes. It gives me a different perspective. It gives me a time for I can look at, hey, what we're speaking about, and maybe God can teach me something new and give me a new look just like we do every week. Now, James had a bunch of things that I really liked, but a couple stood out to me. One of them was how he gave us a picture, gave us the, the, the truth of how the New Testament and the Old Testament have thematic um, consistency in what we're talking about. Like we're talking Galatians 5, but we're not just talking Galatians 5 chapter 20, uh, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit, we're talking the whole chapter. And we're talking about how, uh, we're talking about how uh, Paul is using the chapter 5 of Galatians to give us a reason why the fruit of the Spirit is so important. Because what he's doing is he's contrasting what life is like when you live in the Spirit versus in yourself. He's contrasting what life looks like when you're living in the flesh versus living in the Spirit. And so he's telling the church, listen, you make choices. And from those choices, life is produced. And so what James did is he didn't just stick in Galatians 5. He went back to the Old Testament. We looked at Deuteronomy and how the writer of Deuteronomy talks about there are choices in life and our choices lead to life or they lead to death. This is the way life works. Based on our decisions, something is being produced. So what we saw is this wasn't a Paul concept or a New Testament concept. This is a Bible concept from beginning to end. Choices matter. Now, that was the first thing I, I really liked that reminder. But the second thing I really liked came with a little bit of baggage. It came with a little bit of baggage because the second concept I like actually came when he's making fun of me. If you're here for this, this is not an unusual thing, but he was making fun of me because, once again, we're talking about um, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so, essentially, he was saying how Pastor Scott is more of a propane grill kind of guy versus a cooking meats on the smoker kind of guy. And he said this because he's like, Scott, you can't sit still. Scott, you can't stop moving. Scott, you're just... A mess, basically, and I'm like, easy now that I've got the mic back. I want to make something very, very clear. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. But here's the point. That didn't save him on Monday, right? Like, I know James is giving announcements on Sunday. We're going to miss him around here, though, right? Like, I enjoyed all he did prior to having fire him because words matter. Words matter. But the reality is, listen, if I'm going to fire somebody for making fun of me, y'all are in trouble. You don't have to work here. And every one of you is going to be in fire because that's what we do at One Hope, right? So I kid, he's not fired. But I enjoyed that, that, that thought, um, even if he was making fun of me, that the work of the Holy Spirit, in order for it to be relevant or a reality in our life, we have to give the Spirit time and space to work. 
If we don't give the Spirit time and space to work, we are not going to see the fruit of that working in our life. And so what he did is remind us again, like there are choices we gotta make every day. And it reminded me of a book, I don't know if you've seen this before, there's an author and pastor named John Mark Comer, and he wrote a book called The The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And essentially in that book, he had the same message, you got choices to make. If you don't slow down, you're going to miss out on the work of God in our lives. And what more time, or what time is more relevant than right now to call the church to, hey, can you have moments where you slow down and actually let the Spirit do some work? Every day we have a series of this or that choices that are going to determine what is produced in us. So, speaking of this or that, we know we got to do, Right? So if this is your first Sunday, every Sunday we're playing a little this or that. So as we transition today's teaching, I want to make sure we have our little this or that morning. So you ready for it? Online, you need to be ready for it. So here's the first this or that this morning. When I moved here 17 years ago, I heard this argument. Scott, you like tacos, right? Yeah? What place would you rather go to? Taco Bell? or Taco Casa, all right? And I learned that this is some, has some tension in our room, so, so in, our, in our city, so I wanna know if from us, who are my Taco Bell people first? We have Taco Bell, okay. I didn't know if there'd be anybody. There's some of you, okay. Then who are Taco Casa people first? Okay, I figured that was the case. I, double hands, I got it. And so I figured, but there are some Taco Bell people, okay. The second one is this, is, is there's a new concept, and I experienced it for the first time this summer when I had a vacation with our family in Arizona. There are some people who love to go camping, but then there's this new idea called glamping. If you don't know what that is, you're not going to raise your hand anyways, right? So I'm not going to explain it. So who in here prefers glamping? Who would pick glamping? Okay. Wow, okay, who, are, who would prefer you? I'm going camping, I'm gonna rough it. That's way more, there's someone in the church who just started a business and maybe she's gonna have to need to be here and count the names because that's really split. Okay, last one, last this or that. Men, sometimes we get in trouble of this in our home. It's not, because there's a strong opinion in a lot of households and that is the way the toilet paper needs to be on the roll. Okay, so this is what I hear. Basically, the right way to do it is to have it come over the top, right? That's what they say. But there can be different opinions. So who in here is like, it's got to be over the top? It's got to be over the top. Okay. Who in here is like, it doesn't matter, it's toilet paper. Come on, you guys are the right people. You first group, just chill, all right? Okay. There's our this or that's. Let's move on to today. In our next teaching, we're going to go to the foundational text, which is for our series this whole fall, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit, the producing of the Spirit in our lives is love, is joy, is peace, is patience, is kindness, is Goodness, this is where we land today. 
God, through the Holy Spirit, wants to produce goodness in our lives. Now, before we move ahead today, I want to move back just a second. I want to move back to the beginning of this series. The very first Sunday when I introduced this text, I said to you that this text is like a measuring stick for my life. I said this text is very personal for me. That God uses this text in my life often to keep me in line. To keep me in a place of knowing how am I living my life really? Because if Paul is going to give a picture in what it looks like for the work of the Holy Spirit to be in my life, then I need to, I need to look at this picture, take it very seriously, and if I don't see the picture that Paul gives, then I need to ask some questions about my life. I need to be really vulnerable about my life. So I told you, when I read this text, when I think about my life, I literally say to myself, Scott, is love evident in your life? I say, Scott, is joy evident in your life? Scott, is peace evident in your life? Is patience and kindness evident in your life? So today, the quick question is, Scott, I ask you, is goodness evident in your life? And if not, if goodness is not evident in your life, then we need to look at ourselves and say, what needs to change? What needs to happen in us? Because let me tell you, uh, Galatians chapter 5 isn't the only place we see goodness. Goodness is written all through scripture. Paul talks about it all the time. Actually, this is one of the problems I had this week. I knew going into this series, this one may be my toughest one of the whole series because this concept is so broad. This concept is so big. How do I take this big concept and bring it down so we have a take home, so we have something to really wrestle with in our lives. Because we have to look to see, it's evident in our lives, but we have to look and see, man, it is a lot of places in Scripture. Paul talks about goodness a lot. So I've already mentioned Galatians chapter 5, goodness comes up. But 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 13, this is what he says to them. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. So, so he says it to the Galatians, now he says it to the Thessalonians, and we go Colossians, another group of churches, another group of people that are following Jesus. And he says in chapter 1, verse 9, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Get this, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. 
I'm praying for you. That what we see is through your life, in your life, a bearing of good works. So he says it to the Galatians. He says it to the Thessalonians. He says it to the Colossians. Now he says it to the Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 10. For it is by grace, he says, you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. See, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So he's like, hey, salvation is from God through faith. Nothing that you have done. But he's like, but for you are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So look at this list. Galatians, Thessalonians, Colossians. We've got Ephesians. Now we're going to talk to a guy named Titus, one of his disciples. He wants to give him instruction in how to lead the church. And he says, hey, listen, tell them this. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and sound of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. He keeps saying it over and over, and I'll end today with his letter to the Romans. The church in Rome, he wants them to see this idea of goodness. He says, don't repay, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, this is what you do. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Because verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We need to see that this is thematic through Paul's letters. It's a big concept in the new and old. I could continue to read verses about goodness being talked about. He wants the church to understand. He wants the church to grow. He wants the church to know that there's an expectation of goodness in your life. You need to start living it. Now, The question now has to go to, okay, Paul, I see you talking about goodness all through Scripture. But what do you really mean by goodness? Like, what do you mean? This is a pretty broad word. What do you mean by goodness? And we have to ask this question because I think we have a problem with this word. We have a problem with the definition of this word, and you may not even realize it. Think about how we use this word so often in life. Think about how it's used even with children on growing up. You're dropping kids off places, and what are the last words you often say to them? Dropping them off at church. Okay, buddy, have fun at church, but be good. Okay, sweetheart, have a great day at school, but be good. They're having a sleepover, 
Hey, have a great time with your friends, but what do you say? Be good. There's something in culture where we have maybe unknowingly tied together goodness with not being bad. That goodness equals not doing bad things. Think about the biggest example. It's coming up. Christmas is almost here. And if you've got little ones, who are you going to take them to see, possibly? You're going to take them to Santa. Maybe you grew up and you sat on Santa's lap. And you sit on Santa's lap. And what does Santa say if he's a good Santa? Have you been good this year? And what does the child think? Did I pull my sister's hair? Did I steal a cookie? Did I get in trouble at school? Am I on red light? So often when we're asked about goodness, we think, did I do bad things or not? We think about our life and we're like, have I been good? Forget little kids as adults. If I ask you, have you been good? I think so. I don't think I've done bad things. And so what we do is we create this correlation between goodness and not doing bad things. And so we live life just trying to correct ourselves from doing bad. And this is such a backwards way to thinking when it comes to following Jesus. Look at what Paul wrote in his letters. Do you think when he's writing to all these churches I just told you about, the emphasis when he says do good works is, hey, make sure you stop doing bad things. Do you think that's what he's talking about? Do you think he's just trying to change how they act from doing bad things? He's discipling the church when they've just become Christians. Do you think what he wants to do is to disciple them by saying to be a follower of Jesus means just don't do bad things? I need to make clear this morning. That following Jesus isn't a list of don'ts. It's an invitation to a whole new lifestyle. This is what Paul wants the church to understand. When he's writing these letters, he's not just telling the people, hey, if you want to follow Jesus, just here's a list of don'ts. Just don't do these things and all is good. I, I don't see it. I don't look at it that way. And I feel like it's reinforced when I look at what Jesus preaches. Think about Matthew chapter 5 verse 7. If you're like, boy, what is that? The Sermon on the Mount. Jesus gives this famous sermon. Jesus gives this sermon and people's lives are changed. You think while he's up front, he's like, hey, listen, you want to know about me? Here's all the things you shouldn't do. No. Jesus is up there speaking I and mean, giving them a whole new picture about how life can be lived. He's giving them a picture of, hey, here's how you can follow me. Here's how you can live the life that I'm calling you to. 
See, the work of the Spirit is to produce goodness in us. And what this is to do is to change the essence of who we are and how we follow Jesus. And if this is the case, then we need to redefine what goodness is. We need to redefine how our brains have thought about what goodness really is. We have to look at goodness in a new way so maybe we can follow Jesus in a new way so we can live out what Paul has says the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Now, this is where the tough part for me this week was. How do I give a picture of goodness? Like, think about it. If I'm sitting here and I just say to you, tell me what you think goodness is. Tell me how you describe goodness from Scripture. Could you immediately just go, I got it? Or is this one like, is it as tough for you as it was for me because it's such a big picture? See, for me, what I had to do is I had to take a step back and say, okay, how can I describe this? The only way I can describe it is if I look at the one person that I think has been good. And if I look at this one person, then I'll have a picture of potential goodness for us to have that measuring stick I talked about for our life. That if I can look at this one person, so I'm looking at Jesus, because I think we can all agree that Jesus is good, right? Couldn't we describe Jesus and his life? We look at how he's lived all through the Gospels. Couldn't we say he is good? I know Peter the Apostle thought that because this is what Peter says to the church in Acts chapter 10. He says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And so he went out doing good healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. You've got Peter who spends time with Jesus. Then he's telling this, these, 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 this church, he's telling these people who are questioning who Jesus is, and he's like, this is who he is. He's, he's, he's empowered by the Spirit, and when he's empowered by the Spirit, he went out and did good. He did healings. He helped people who were on the influence of evil. This is how he lived life. And maybe that's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1, so therefore, so therefore, be imitators of God. As Paul sees the goodness just like Peter sees the goodness. And so this is what I did this week. I looked at the life of Jesus and I'm like, how can I look at events or stories or moments that have happened in Jesus' life to give you and I a picture of maybe how goodness can be lived out in our life? So I thought about Jesus. I thought about that day when he stood in front of those 5,000 people. 5,000 people who were hungry had been there all day. And they're needing some food. And he grabs the little kid or he calls the little kid, hey, what do you have? And he's like, I got fish and I got some bread. And he's like, okay, go feed the people. And I look at this part of his life and I'm like, you know what I see? I see goodness in how God or how Jesus provided for the needs of the people that day. That I think an essence of goodness is the provision of Jesus to the needs that we have. That Jesus sees the needs of people and says, I want to 
provide. I think of when Lazarus dies. And Lazarus' family and friends, they're crying. And Jesus meets up with them. And what does he do? The shortest verse in Scripture says what? Jesus wept. I look at this story. I look at what Jesus does when these, peop- when these people are hurting. And he cries with them. And I say to myself, you know the goodness I see in Jesus? Is he has like an empathy with people who hurt That part of the goodness of Jesus as he sees us where we are and he has empathy in our lives. He doesn't just demand. He doesn't just correct. He doesn't just hold accountable. He doesn't just have expectations. He has empathy in weeping with people who hurt. I think that is goodness. It's goodness written all over it. I think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to go through the most excruciating thing a human can go through, I think. And he knows the will of his fathers for him to die on the cross. And you see a wrestling. He doesn't want to do it. But he says, not your will, but mine. And I look at this story of Jesus, and I'm like, you know what goodness I see is this deep level of, of obedience. I don't know if you think about the goodness of Jesus in that he's just obedient to the Father. I see Jesus walk into a village and people have been sitting around this fountain, this place of water. And people are wanting to be healed and they haven't been healed and they've been in pain their whole life. And Jesus walks in, he picks out this person. He has a conversation with him and he heals him of his ailment. But he has a conversation when he says, hey, don't tell people. It's a weird conversation. Because the movement of Jesus needs to happen. The saving of the world needs to happen in this moment. He's telling him, don't tell people. Can you imagine if this man told everybody around, this is the one who healed me? The movement of Jesus, the the name of Jesus. What people would say about him, the acclaim. He become a celebrity in a moment. But no, he has humility. Don't tell people how great I am. I see goodness in the humility of Jesus. Part of his goodness is his humility. I see Jesus in the uh, upper room, the the room where the disciples met and they're having a last meal and he takes off his, his outer clothes and he gets on his knees and he takes water and he takes the clothes and begins to wash the disciples' feet. They don't know what's going on because why would you wash our feet? We're the ones that are following you. Why would you wash our feet? You're the Messiah. And Jesus is like, listen, I've come to serve. I see in this moment of servanthood, goodness, goodness in how Jesus lived. After Jesus dies on the cross and comes 
back, resurrects. He has a conversation with Peter. It's an important conversation because pre-Jesus dying, Peter has denied Jesus. He has gone against who he said he was and what he would do. And so he has this conversation with him. It's important because in this moment, Jesus is redeeming. He's reconciling. He's restoring Peter. And in this moment, I see Jesus and Peter. I see the grace and forgiveness that is so plentiful. And I go, this is goodness that I see in Jesus. I see Jesus when he's walking through a town one day and there's this really, really small man. A small man that has to climb a tree just to see who Jesus is and Jesus goes and talks to him. This man is not a good man. This man doesn't know who Jesus is. This man is taking advantage of culture. This man is just, he, he is a hated man in culture. And he calls him down. He says, Zacchaeus, can I go to your house and have lunch today? And he speaks to him. And what I see in Jesus is this heart for the lost, heart for people who don't know the greatness of Jesus. In this, I see a goodness. He's just not about the people who love him. His heart is just not for the ones who have given their life to him. He has a heart for the lost. There's goodness in this. And I see a conversation with Thomas. Thomas had followed him, but Jesus had died. The disciples had already seen Jesus. They had seen that he had come back from the dead, that he had resurrected. But Thomas wasn't sure. He's like, I, I'm not going to believe until I see the marks on him. To know that it's Jesus. And I see in this moment a patience with even his own followers who has, should have been quick to realize who Jesus was. He has a patience, and in this patience, I see goodness. And then the last one I look, I see Jesus. The movement is about to begin. People are about to find out who he is. And there are so many ways that Jesus could have gone about this, but he does this incredible thing. He meets a woman at the well who is a cast off from society, who had not lived a life that was pleasing to someone like Jesus. She had been torn apart emotionally, physically. She was a wreck, and there Jesus is, affirming her of her value and this woman becomes the first missionary to her town that even in her brokenness he was affirming her as a person and in this I see goodness I could keep going and going in Jesus life couldn't I just stand here and keep telling you story of the goodness of Jesus I've given you nine but I could go on but we need to understand that the goodness of Jesus maybe is never ending in its stories. And so I, so I can't possibly give you all those things, but I think of how Jesus made it really clear to us. 
hey, if you want to live out the calling that I've given you in your life, you want to live out the goodness you see in me, here's my advice, here's my ask. If you want to live out the life I've called you to, which I think goodness is part of this, is you just look at everything being summed up in two different, two different rules. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to live out goodness, you want to imitate me. You want to see the work of the Spirit come through in your life. You want to live a different kind of life than whatever situation you are in. You need to ask the question, am I loving my neighbor as myself and am I loving God in this moment? Every situation that we come into, this can be lived out. It can be lived consistently in our life and this is the most beautiful thing I see about Jesus and goodness is that circumstances didn't dictate whether Jesus was good or not. Jesus didn't act good, he was good. Jesus didn't just take moments of goodness, his life was lived out good. Jesus was consistent in his goodness. He was good when no one was watching or everyone was watching. He was good when he had a ton of pressure and when he had no pressure. Jesus was good whether things were going great or things were falling apart. This is what I see of Jesus. And this is why, in my opinion, people started following Jesus. This is why, in my opinion, before he even preached and people um, gave their life to him, why they were following him everywhere, it's because you experienced something in Jesus you didn't get to experience in most places in life, and I think there was a goodness to Jesus that you didn't get many places. And so we look at Paul's words. And he says to us, listen, you've got to make some decisions in life. You've got a this or that question. How are you going to live life? You're going to live in the flesh. You're going to live in the spirit. You're going to live for yourself. You're going to live for the spirit. And he's like, if this is the case, then goodness is going to be produced in you. I want this part of your life. I want you not just to do moments of goodness. I want you to change your whole lifestyle. I don't want you just to stop doing bad things. I want you to look at how you do good. And this is so important. It was important for them, but it's important for us. And it's important for two reasons. When we begin to live out this goodness, we start becoming more like Jesus. And I say this over and over and over again. It's a central theme of our church, but it's because this should be our goal for every follower every single day to become more like Jesus, more like Jesus, more like Jesus every single day. It gives us freedom. It brings, I think it begins to bring the essence of what we're going, what we're looking for in life really comes out of the pursuit of becoming more like Jesus. But the second reason is, is because people need to see Jesus through us. I said before that even before people heard the message coming from Jesus, 
they were already following him all over from place to place. I've told you stories about Jesus being on the water, speaking from the boat, because there's so many people and they need to hear him. We, we see speaking on the side of mountains as they, as they all gathered here. So there's, why are they gathering? Because there's a goodness there. As we're becoming more like Jesus and a goodness is growing in us, people get to see who Jesus is and that is what is going to change lives. People need to see the fruit of the Spirit, which is the fruit of who Jesus can be in our lives. And so I'll end with this verse, Galatians 6, 9 through 10. Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. So the question I'll end is the same question I began with, is is there evidence of goodness in your life? When was the last time you prayed, God, will you do a work of goodness in me so that I can become more like your son Jesus, but also so people can see the goodness of you through me? and their life will be changed forever. This fall, we're going through the fruit of the Spirit. We don't get to pick or choose. The fruit of the Spirit is a a complete work. Now you have to ask yourself, is there goodness in me today? Do people see the goodness of Jesus in me today. I want to pray. Heavenly Father, Paul is discipling the church. Paul is leading the church. Paul is giving expectation to the church, God, and I pray that you would speak to us today the way Paul was trying to speak to them, that, God, there's an expectation of goodness in us, but this is such a broad category. What really is goodness? But, God, I think at the end of the day, goodness is really about becoming more like you, Jesus, because Jesus is good. And he did a work in changing people's lives. He pointed people to you, God, every day that he lived. And so, God, I pray that we would be a church, that we would be a people who would ask that question, am I loving God? And I'm loving my neighbor as myself. And are we allowing the Holy Spirit to refine us, to grow in the goodness of God. Help us to be that church. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.